You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. You are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by a good friend and colleague, Kelly Lynch. She's up in Connecticut. She is an LCSW, an EMT, a couple of other acronyms that I'm not going to remember. And we're going to talk about her GRIT program that she's creating and some of the cool stuff that Kelly's got going on in the world. So Kelly, really glad to have you here and I'm really excited to talk about this today. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a, it's always, so having been on on a handful of other podcasts, it's always fun to get to come on and just like talk um, and, you know, hang out with people that I, I really appreciate and value. Um, but to also get to talk about the cool things that we get to put out into the world. So thank you for this time. Yeah, you're welcome. And it's, you know, I like to use this as a platform so that we can talk about a lot of things, the struggle especially, but the cool things that we've created through some of the adversity. And I know you have a lot of cool stuff going on and I've gotten to know you over the last uh, couple of years. Um, You came to Asheville. I've met you at so many conferences now. And it's nice to be able to become friends too and then watch each other uh, you know, the things that you're creating and the success that you're going to have. So tell us about, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you're creating, because I know your story, I know the audience doesn't, but I know you're an EMT. I know that's a a big part of your world, um, supporting people who are in the crisis environments all the time. And I really want to know about how GRIT came to be, what GRIT stands for, and yeah, take it away. Cool. Okay. So I have a very it feels very bizarre to kind of run run through every, my background and my my story uh, because stringing it all together makes it make sense. But if we if we look at things kind of like just as standalone events, they don't all one does not necessarily fit with the next. Uh, so I became an EMT in two thousand two uh, after a family member had some mental health stuff that that was concerning, and I wanted to help but didn't really know how beyond getting um, educated from a medical perspective. Um, and then also with 9-11 happening. Um, so when I when 9-11 happened, I was living in Boston at, at the time. And it affected, it affected me in a way, as it affected all of us, but it affected me in a way where I really felt like, okay, I, I'm here to give back for something greater than, than just me and my little corner of the world. And what can I do uh, to to have a positive effect. I tried to join the military. I have a bad back, so the military didn't want to touch me with a 10-foot pole. They were like, nope, this is not going to be a thing. Uh, so the next best thing in my mind was public safety and how could I get into that? And EMS made sense. I'd always been kind of uh, like superficially interested in medicine uh, and what it meant to take care of people. And I ended up just falling in love with it. So I've been a certified EMT now for 20 years, which makes me feel so old to say that. (laughs) 
Uh, and I was on the road uh, in commercial EMS for 10 years before retiring from that. Um, I maintained my card because in my therapy practice, I specialize in public safety. And a lot of my clients really find value in, in that I maintain my certification, even though I haven't been on the road in a long time. While I was on the road as an EMT, I found that I just really liked working with people. And I did not, I did not want to have a traditional like nine to five desk job. Uh, I wanted to be able to continue to work with humans and, and to be able to support people in a lot of different ways as they kind of travel through whatever their lives look like. So I joke with folks now that social work was my Bob Ross moment of life. It was my happy accident. I never, never really planned on being a therapist, but after, after getting into EMS and like I said, figuring out that I like working with, with people, it just made sense that the end became a natural extension of, of being an EMS. Um, so in addition to, to that, a few years ago, back in 20, between 2016 and 2018, I also became a nutrition coach and a certified personal trainer because it's, it's something that not only is just important to me personally to have that kind of education as part of my own self-care, but to also be able to bring that into the work that I do with my clients from a clinical perspective of how can we create a really well-rounded, holistic wellness approach uh, as we support people in taking really good care of their, their mental health. So where grit came from, uh, grit uh, is, it's so silly. I, I was taking a shower uh, last year and really just like thinking about how I, I could support somebody that was really struggling in, in what, what we were working on in their sessions. Uh, and first I started thinking about mindset. Then I started thinking about, okay, well, what comes after mindset if we're really getting that to work in a, in a really smooth way and resilience was the next thing. And then what comes after that? And here comes identity. And it, it started to unfold as I was taking a shower that this is something that I've been doing now with my clients in a very particular order for my entire career. And I had never named it. So all of a sudden grit took place or took shape. So grit stands for growth, resilience, identity, integrity, and training. And in, in thinking about how grit came to be, right? Like in this very silly, otherwise benign kind of moment, uh, I yelled for my daughter and, I, and my daughter's name is Riley. So I yelled for her and I was like, go get me a pencil of paper. You got to write this down because I was going to forget it. And so she like, okay, crazy mom, here we go. So she went and got a pencil and paper and she wrote it down for me. And then since then, right, the, the, so this was last year. Since then, I've been taking this idea and developing it with clients and seeing how much it makes things make sense for people, right? So I work with people who are generally very concrete and think in a very linear fashion. That's the way that my brain works too. Uh, and it just, it took this thing that felt otherwise so abstract and unreachable for my people and made it make sense. So Grit then turned into a whole business and is now called The Grit Project. And it's something that I, I so deeply want to bring to professionals and especially therapists, you know, as we go through the process of running a business, right? Like if we choose to go into, into private practice or even if we choose to stay in, in, the, in the public sector of mental health, 
there is such a level of drain put on us as clinicians to carry crazy caseloads, to do intense, deep, very intimate and personal work. And where do we get to put back into ourselves? And grit is a foundation of coaching that can really help guide people through not only promoting wellness, but also building a, a solid enough foundation that we're starting to prevent burnout. Uh, so that's my that's my hope and my intention for grit for therapists. Obviously, it's something that I'm also doing already with with therapy clients. Uh, but it, it's something that once it clicked, I, I saw it and I couldn't unsee it. Love that story because I think so many of us who are on entrepreneurial have had those like in the shower moments, right? Of like, yeah. oh my God, all of a sudden your brain starts really in that flow state. And, you know, I know you and I have talked about neurodivergence and ADHD takes over, creativity comes in and then all of a sudden you can't unsee it, but then you're very like quick to say, but I could forget it very easily too. Right, right. You, know, like, you had your daughter go and do that for you in the moment. So with that being said, how are you how are you noticing this is really helpful for helpers to say, like, if you think really linear, linearly and concretely, how is this helping us kind of like break out of that thought process or at least start to take care of ourselves? Because like you said, not in just the EMT world, but in the mental health world, the burnout rate is at an all time fucking high. Right. And we have to be able to take care of ourselves holistically to have any self-perseverance or to have any longevity in these careers where we are taking care of other people. Yeah. So I, the thing, the thing about grit is that it provides a structure and a framework that people can pull from depending on what they feel they need in the moment. The, one of the biggest things that I, I see in colleagues, especially when it comes to burnout and just even if they're not quite at the burnout point yet, but they're feeling like, man, there's just there's an itch that I can't quite scratch or, or I'm just tired all the time. Or I, you know, there's there, I'm going from the frying pan into the fire, right? Like maybe they're not there yet, but they can see that they're getting there. They can name certain things. Grit provides enough of a structure where we can say, all right, I know I need uh, different time management skills or different, maybe not additional skills, but a different strategy that's folded into parts of grit. Or if we look at, well, everything, like when we start listening to clinicians describe, well, in my personal life, everything sucks and feels bad. Well, I'm going to go straight to how can we flip that to a growth mindset and look at the reality of maybe there are some things that do genuinely just suck and feel bad, but what can we do to make that work for us instead of working against it, right? It's like we're trying to constantly swim upstream. Sometimes we just need to swim downstream a little while. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And it it's a good framework to kind of start to conceptualize the healing process in a different way as well. I imagine you're seeing some pretty cool results then working with your therapy clients and just seeing how you can kind of like tweak and, and use this mindset and this model as you expand into coaching. And I know you want to do like speaking engagements and uh, write a book, I believe, and a podcast yep. and all the things that entrepreneurs want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like this can be really applicable for people who are who have these great ideas, but seemingly can't get out of their own way sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, I I would go to resilience in that kind of moment and really look at just how do we structure out really strong self-care thinking about about self-care from both a relief and a reward kind of perspective. Um, something that that I've seen work actually really well for my therapy clients, especially. Uh, I coined something that I've presented to most of my clients at this point that I call the rule of the five Bs. And that's the approach that I take for self-care with them. Uh, and the five Bs are your brain, body, bonds, beliefs, and behaviors. And so I teach about self-care from that perspective of that you don't have to hit on every single point every single day, right? Like that for most people, that would be really unrealistic. But if we're hitting on at least one more often than not, right? Or like at least one once a day, we're doing generally pretty okay with stuff like that. So, you know, being able to to look at, and this is where like the nutrition coaching certification and the the personal training certification stuff, that, that kind of stuff starts to come into play when, when I talk about self-care from this perspective with a lot of people. You know, there's, you know, how do we engage in thought-provoking activities? How do we tend to our relationships, including the one that we have with ourselves? How do we allow time and space for creativity? Because this is then going to expand on, you know, the behaviors that we end up displaying in our personal and professional lives. And, you know, thinking about how do we ask for help from people and how do we, we create connection and community? One of the biggest things that I hear from clinicians in private practice is how isolated they all feel because we're doing this by ourselves if we're solopreneurs, right? And even if you're in a group practice, if the group practice is virtual, there can still be a level of isolation that people experience. So being able to tend to bonds and really develop a, a community in a way that feels meaningful, there's so much value to all of this, but this is stuff that we don't talk about when it comes to self-care or at least we don't talk about it often enough. Uh, so I think that how we support ourselves as entrepreneurs and as creatives is by looking at a much broader perspective of what are we doing to really support and nurture us. Yeah, I love that because I think so often, you know, one self-care gets kind of the eye roll and the bad rap of like just right. taking pictures by the pool or drinks near the beach. And it's like, sure. no, that, that certainly is not, that is a part of it potentially, but everything you just named actually feels much more connected and important in terms of moving through the world in a way that life feels much more manageable and probably much more enjoyable and fulfilling. And I just think that we so often miss the mark on that. And helpers tend to help everybody else before themselves. So it's you know, when you just name the relationship you have, not just with others, but with yourself and intentional activities and making decisions that are going to actually be in your best interest in your health and your mental health. I mean, that makes a, a major, major difference than just saying like, just take some time off and don't work and like, go kick your feet up and take a take an Instagram selfie and like, you'll be okay. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a big piece when it comes, I think, to identity work. And that it's so easy to get wrapped up into into this hustle culture that it you know so many people really push nowadays, um, and especially as business owners, there's so much talk about the hustle culture, and you know the more you hustle, the more successful you're going to be. But what's the cost of that? 
right? So um, something that I've actually recently started pointing out again to therapy clients and, and to some coaching clients is that the more that we can be aware of what our values system really is, knowing how individualized and subjective that is, but the more the more aware of our values we really are and make decisions from our value system, the simpler everything becomes. If you're making a decision that aligns with what you truly value, personally, professionally, globally, right? Decisions become so much easier and it becomes so much simpler to go and set those boundaries and create a community that does feel really aligned and manage your time in a way where you feel like you're prioritizing yourself and the people that you love and everything else that matters, right? But those, those value systems are such a huge part of our identity and it's so easy to lose sight of that as we get so wrapped up into trying to create something, right? And when, but when we lose sight of it, we're out of alignment. Yeah. And I find when you're out of alignment, like you mentioned, that's really when things start to unravel. Maybe that is when you're saying yes to things that you really don't want to say yes to, or your boundaries are kind of being uh, spread really thin, or you're overworking and having exactly. a hard time stepping away. And I can relate yeah. to that. Like I'm, you know, pot calling the kettle black, so to speak, in some ways. But, you know, it, it's it's so crucial to be acting in congruence with your values and your beliefs, because otherwise, I think the stuff feels really artificial. Sure. And it feels really forced. And I don't think that we're in our best selves when we're acting in 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 ways that are of interest to everybody else, or maybe they are we're chasing something that we don't really believe in, or we don't align with. Absolutely. And then immediately what popped in my head when you said that is that that's when we begin to resent the work and that's where burnout starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I see so many people right now and not just therapists. I mean, people in general are struggling and stressed and tired and feeling overworked and maybe underappreciated. And you're seeing this, this burnout and this mass exodus of like working for other people, which I love to see because I love that people are like, I'm going to at least bet on me. But here's the thing that people miss a lot of the time is like, you leave the agency job, you recreate the agency environment, and you're working for yourself. Right. Then that mm -hmm. resentment starts to really boil up because it's like, I did this, like I create my schedule, I look at my calendar tomorrow, and I don't have any free time, I said yes to the things I don't want to do. And then it's like, how do we get back to basics and in alignment with with our values and our, our core beliefs? Right, right, exactly. You know, and that's that's why I think it's so important to really understand how do we create a framework for identity, again, both personally and professionally, that really is in complete alignment with our value system and then make decisions from that place. Everything else just starts to, it's like a puzzle just coming together without even really trying. It just happens. It's so much easier. And once that starts to happen, what do you start to notice? Not just in other people, but for yourself when the puzzle pieces start to fit together. So it, it's interesting that you say uh, like for myself as well, because this is, so I, I got divorced in 2014 and I left a, a pretty bad situation. Uh, and I sometimes will talk about it and sometimes will not. Um, but it there was, there was some violence involved and I, I was very grateful and very lucky to have gotten out in the way that I did uh, and didn't realize, again, up until last year when grit really started to take shape, 
this is something that I've been living myself since since even before I got divorced. And that grit has some it has been something that has helped me be able to not only survive something that was really traumatic and really, really a very dark time in my life, but then to be able to evolve into the person that I am today, where there's boundaries that are rock solid. There is, I have a very small, but very close circle of people that I, I absolutely cherish in my life, right? So there's this very important community around me. Uh, and I know exactly who I am, what my purpose is, and what I do and do not want to commit to, right? And there's there within that, there's skill sets that I, I constantly practice because I believe that skill sets are perishable, right? There, there's a lot of things that are not just set it and forget it kind of things, right? Like we need to constantly be practicing communication and boundary setting because those are perishable skills. But grit is something that saved me from when I didn't realize that it was saving me. And now being able to offer it as an extension to other people, it just feels so powerful and so important. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it's, you know, evident in knowing you that you've clearly done a lot of your own work and you are, I've listened to you speak and I can tell that your boundaries are pretty rock solid. And I like that because it sounds like you ask for what you need a lot. And I think a lot of us don't. And a lot of shamefulness can come up for some people too when we're, we're going down that road. But I think there's a lot of resiliency in the story that you're telling and a lot of resiliency in the model that you're, you're offering to teach and, and support others with. And I think that is really what helps us really bounce back from these moments where we don't think we have anything left to give or we don't think we have anything left to offer. And whether that's business, personal, professional, it doesn't matter. But so many of us have these stories inside of us and so many of us really unfortunately don't use the the skill sets that we have. And I do like that you name that they're perishable because I think about that a lot. I'm like, if I don't like yeah. refine and like constantly train or learn or grow, my brain just feels like it's just like crumbling in front of me. So I know that as entrepreneurs, we need to be uh, constantly evolving. So tell me, you know, with this journey, you're creating this, this, this idea, this, this system and framework, imposter syndrome that comes up for you around like introducing something to the world. Yeah. So it's, it's funny I, that you bring up imposter syndrome because that's something that I think is a very natural extension of the conversation of grit. But I, I, I want to go the complete opposite direction and say grit doesn't allow room for imposter syndrome because it's, I, I want to push, there's a level of abundance inside of the system of grit, of that grit teaches you, if you're in alignment, literally anything is possible, right? There's no limits. The only, the only thing that creates limits is how you choose to set those limits on yourself. And so with that, right, like there's, I, I think imposter syndrome is something that we're all very normally and naturally going to experience at different times in our lives and our careers and for a whole lot of different reasons. Uh, but there's there's a level of abundance that I want to normalize we, by using grit, like I said, because there's the only limits are the ones that we create, right? And if we if we feed the story of imposter syndrome, it's going to grow into this beast. Yeah, but if we starve it, well, then what is there left except abundance? I like that. Yeah. 
it's a good uh, reframe for sure. Um, because I know so many of us really struggle with that, especially when we're thinking like, I want to think bigger or I want to do this thing that I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. So where that insecurity and that comparison can really rear its head. But if you're operating from a mindset and place of abundance, the insecurity probably gets a little bit more quiet because you're assuming that everyone can be successful. We can all do these things in a, in a way that feels positive. And I think that feels really promising. Exactly. You know, I, I in listening to a few other episodes of, of your podcast that have recently been published, one of the things that I've noticed is that people are pretty consistently, and I think you said this actually in the most recent episode, uh, that really nobody's saying anything new nowadays, especially in the therapy world, right? Like, there aren't a ton of new theories being presented. There's not like brand new groundbreaking research that's being presented. So it's a matter of taking the things that we already know and stringing them together in new innovative ways to make this stuff really work for us and to evolve the things that we already know to meet the needs that we currently have because maybe they met needs in a different way 10, 15, 40, 100 years ago. But those needs have iterated themselves so many times over. So the concepts are still good. We just have to take them and iterate them to meet the needs of today. And, you know, that's what I've tried to do with grit. I'm not saying anything new when it comes to the whole framework of grit, right? Like growth mindset is not something that I came up with. So, you know, when we talk about stuff like this, it's how innovative can can we be to present old ideas in new ways? that meet new needs and that continue to help people really be able to step into their group, their highest selves. I like that. And it's, it's really important for everyone listening to remember that, like when you do get stuck in that perfectionism mode or what do I have to say? It's just about being like Kelly's saying innovative and thinking outside the box and putting your voice to something because we're not recreating the wheel here a lot of the time. Right. Um, it may feel like we have to in order to do something, but really it's just more so about you telling your story with the thing that you're really passionate about. And I think that's when the best work comes out. I think that's when the most creativity comes out. I think that's when going back to alignment, when you feel most aligned with what's important to you. And we can really easily convince ourselves that like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to be an expert at this, or I'm not going to be good at this because it's already out in the world. That doesn't really matter. I'd rather hear your take on something that's already been established aside from you trying to feel like I have to re or I have to create or invent something that doesn't exist already. Exactly. I I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard from colleagues say, well, I have this idea, but so-and-so already presented it. And who am I to do it if they've already done it? And and always the thing that I say in response to that is, well, but nobody said it your way, right? And maybe your way is going to ring true in a way that uh, for that one person who desperately needs your way, where everybody else who's already said it, it doesn't ring true for this one person who can only benefit from your way. Right. So, and like your way is the way and, and there can be so many different ways and they're all correct. Right. They're just going to fit different people's needs. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, it's really well said because you can get really caught up in that and that leads to comparison and insecurity too. And 
you know, I think it's really easy to say, like, don't allow for that to take over, but then a lot easier for it to actually show up and then, you know, become a roadblock or a, or a barrier to pursuing the thing that you want to do. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, you own multiple businesses, you're just thinking about starting a business or thinking about working for yourself. There's a lot of fearfulness in that. There's a lot of risk in that. So you have to be able to absorb that risk and also do it in your own path with the way that makes the most sense for you. And I think we often lose sight of that. Um, I want to ask you about some EMS stuff. Just always curious. It sounds like if you really love that world, it's like I need fast paced kind of chaos, like things happen all the time. Is that true? And has that helped you become a really competent business owner as well? So I I joke with people that public safety is hours of boredom interrupted by moments of chaos. Uh, (laughs) And especially in, especially in EMS, because you could be sitting around for hours, right? And, and then all of a sudden you have an hour of chaos if you're on a call. Uh, And, you know, I, I also want to emphasize that, you know, there's, there's a level of desensitizing that happens when you work in public safety. Uh, to that chaos, you get very used, like it just becomes baseline. Uh, So, you know, I've always, I was a training officer for four years while I was still on the road. And I used to always say to new EMTs, you have to remember that when you're responding to something, what you may consider a good call, right? Or quote unquote, good call, because you're really tasked to to use your skill set in that moment is still somebody else's worst day. You know, and I, I think that that's something that as clinicians, we also can sometimes lose sight of, of that what becomes very normal for us because we do this all the time is still somebody else's quote unquote worst day. So, you know, I think working in public safety for, for as long as I did, did help to kind of prime me for being able to, to handle some of the stories that people will bring into a therapy session in a way that we're not always prepared for, right? Like we hear very intimate things in which, and we're essentially perfect strangers that people are beginning to disclose their deepest, darkest secrets to. Working in public safety was, it was an important stepping stone for me before I became a therapist. Uh, Cause I, I don't know that I'd be able to be the kind of therapist that I am today without having had those experiences. Uh, there's a level of adrenaline that I definitely enjoy to answer your other question. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't, like, I'm not very risk averse. I I wouldn't typically describe myself that way. Uh, there's a lot of things that I will go and do and try that a lot of other people will say, nope, not it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I think I'm answering your question. <laughs> You're answering the question. Yeah. I was just curious about it. I imagine, you know, and that's such a good way to put it. Like it could be hours of boredom and then minutes or one hour of uninterrupted chaos of like, just like, okay, shit hits the fan and now you have to react. And it's also interesting when you hear stories of like, okay, I'm going into EMS. That's what I think my calling is or my, my path. And then to know, not know then that that is the finish point, right? Like for a lot of people, in therapy right now, going into a community mental health job might be the end. That might be it. Mm -hmm. Private practice might be it. Um, 
you may decide you want to start doing other things. And it's really interesting how things start to unfold and become more clear as you kind of create more space for yourself and have more healing in your, in your own journey. And you start to have more clarity around like what really fuels the fire. It, within that, though, there's one thing that I think we all need to be aware of are, is the, the Ross Geller moments of needing to pivot mm-hmm. and to not fear when we have to pivot, right? Like if, if there was one lesson that I could pull out of my time in public safety, that it, like there's so many lessons that I could talk about, but if, if there's one thing that I could say was the most important lesson was the ability to pivot at a moment's notice when you recognize that there's a need. And, and there's, there's such a level of resistance that people can have to pivoting but man, you don't want to miss those opportunities because sometimes they are earth shatteringly good and it can feel really scary to pivot because we're not necessarily going to always know what's going to happen because of that pivot. But that doesn't mean don't take it. Sometimes we need to lean into that fear because the fear is telling us proceed, proceed with caution, but proceed, right? Right. I, there are there are some things that I did when I was on the road as as an EMT that you have to make those those split second decisions, and they ended so well because of those split second decisions. And that holds just as true in our personal lives and in our careers as clinicians as it does anywhere else. So don't ever be afraid to pivot when you recognize the opportunity for that. It's great advice. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast of embracing and stepping into that fear. And like you said, proceed with caution. Don't do so with reckless abandon, but right. <laughs> also <laughs> acknowledging there are so many ways to keep yourself small or trapped in something and not be open to new opportunities because, oh, but I created the business name for this thing, or I just finished the website, or I like put so much work into this course. But if something new and exciting is offering itself up, it's it's important to be open to the opportunity. And, you know, for example, my VA and I uh, spent a lot of time over the last year creating this four-month Take the Leap program. And we were going to offer it twice a year. And it was a resounding success. And it just got finished. But she mentioned to me after Ireland of 2021 to what year are we in? 2022. <laughs> Uh, she's like, I can tell that you're never going to do this again, are you? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this ever again. <laughs> yeah. Like this first launch will be the last launch. And it's just because like you do have to pivot and adapt sometimes. And sometimes you have to follow what's really drawing you in. And, and you have to know why too. I do think that's where the values work comes in. But I just noticed for myself do I want to commit four months of my life at a time, you know, to going on this journey with 10 therapists? And the answer is yes, to some degree. But what was really exciting me and really energizing me was the retreat planning and the traveling mm-hmm. and helping therapists like have these experiences. And I just knew I couldn't do both. And if I did both, they weren't going to both be done well. There is a lot of fear there of saying like, but we just worked for an entire year to create this thing. And had I just said, well, that's true, let's just do it and just do it and do it, I think I would burn myself out. And I also think I wouldn't really be doing the therapist a service who I'd be helping. So pivoting is crucial in small business ownership. It's crucial in life. I mean, 
exactly. we have to be willing to take chances. And I think we have to be willing sometimes to not think in black and white or binary uh, and concrete thinking patterns too, which I am guilty of as well. And I think it's been so transformational and transformative in general to allow myself to, to follow that, that fear and like embrace it instead of shying away from it. Exactly. I, you know, I think one of the most important lessons about fear is that it really isn't all that scary if you just look at it at the experience of fear as information, mm -hmm. right? Fear is just a data point that provides us information about how to make decisions that are and are not in alignment. Right. I, and that that whether we're going to call it negativity bias as a primal instinct that we're all hardwired with or whether we call it our spidey sense, it doesn't matter what we choose to call it. It matters that you're paying attention to it close enough and often enough that you can just take it and use it as helpful information, because at the end of the day, that's all it is. Right. It's just something that helps us make choices that are fully in alignment. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. Um, yeah, I think for those of you listening, you know, I think we so often associate fear with a negative uh, phrase or terminology or thinking, and it doesn't have to be negative. It can just be a teachable moment of pay attention to what's happening right now and evaluate it. And that doesn't mean that it should shut things down completely. I think that so many of us have followed that or embraced it or stepped into it and take took that risk. And that's why some of this cool stuff is being created. And I think that if you allow fear to dictate circumstance, you really do keep yourself small in a lot of situations too. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the biggest things that I hear from colleagues who are wanting to either go into private practice and leave the public sector uh, or who have really cool ideas about things they want to create and put out into the world, you know, is the, but what if I fail? Right. And that there's this huge level of fear that we can all experience around, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, I tell you what, I already have one business that I've closed. I, I, I started a, bit, a coaching practice that where I wanted to do life coaching for women leaving domestic violence who were also single moms like myself. Uh, and the the practice was called the, the Unapology Project. And my whole shtick, if you will, was going to be that I, I would talk to women about how to stop apologizing for taking up space in the world. And while I still love that idea, and it's still something that I actively talk about, especially with my female clients, at this point, that business didn't make sense anymore for where I was starting to head to as of last year when grit came to be. So I closed it, right? And it was scary and sad to close it because it meant walking away from an idea that I felt really excited about, but I can feel excited about something without, without also having to say, well, I still have to do it. I can still pull that idea into these other new things that I have. So the idea can still happen. It's just not going to happen in the way that I originally planned. That's yeah, that's fantastic because that's so true. And you can still be very passionate and, and a major advocate and voice and, and still have that be very much fueling and also know that that doesn't make sense for you at this point in time. And exactly. That doesn't mean you can't revisit it down the road either. I think that's something that people need to hear because letting something go, it doesn't mean it's failure. It just means that it may not be the right time in your life to pursue it. And that doesn't mean you can't circle back to something either. 
or it may mean you never circle back to it again. And that is okay either way. Right, right. The, the whole thing with failure is that it, it, we, we create these incredible stories around it and what we think it's supposed to mean when uh, just the same as I'd say about fear of fail, failure, right? Because I, I really don't put a lot of stock into the word. It's just information. It's more information that we can then take to create even more aligned choices and actions as we choose to move forward with whatever feels important. Yeah, absolutely. Love that too. Really love this conversation. A lot of good moments of just something to reflect on for everyone listening. Some of the things that Kelly's said and just really reframing fear, failure, resilience, uh, and aligning with your values. So I really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation. And I believe wholeheartedly in everything that you're saying and that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for the time. Yeah, you're welcome. Tell the audience where they can find more of um, the Grit Project and everything that you're doing right now so that they have access to it. So uh, you can find my website at www.thegritproject.com. Grit is spelled with two I's. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as The Grit Coach. Actually, Facebook, I think my handle is wrong on Facebook. It might be The Grit Project still on Facebook. <laughs> but The Grit Project and The Grit Coach, that's, that's where I'm at. Follow Kelly for any of that information. That will all be in the show notes too, so that you can access what Kelly's putting out into the world. Um, I just want to say again, thanks for coming on and just becoming a good friend this year. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you and I'm really excited to see where all of this takes you over the next you know, year or two. And then we can circle back and say, holy shit, look at everything that's come from this. Exactly. And likewise, I, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you also and to be able to call you friend. Thank you. Um, for those of you listening, new episodes of the All Things Private Practice podcast on all major platforms every Sunday, like, download, subscribe, and share. If you want to find more of what I'm offering, go to allthingspractice.com for upcoming retreats, podcast information, coaching programs, courses, and resources. You can also join the All Things Private Practice Facebook group if you are a mental health cl clinician or entrepreneurial therapist in the entire continental United States, Hawaii, Alaska, and all throughout the world. So happy to have you there as well. Thanks for listening. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. See you next Sunday. Thanks, Kelly. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.